for listening to Curious Medicine. This episode is not suitable for children. Hi, and welcome back to Curious Medicine. I'm Christy. Hi, this is Mindy. Surprise, surprise, listeners. We have a guest host today. Her name is Mindy, and she's filling in for Brian because Brian is just a little bit busy with life right now, and he doesn't really have time to do all this fun stuff with the podcast. So in the interim, and and hopefully for a good long while, Mindy will be joining us. Um, and maybe even after Brian comes back, it'll be the three of us or possibly oh, that'd uh, be fun. <laughs> yeah, any combination of, of the three of us. Anyway, welcome, Mindy. And thank you so much thank for you. agreeing to do this. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Okay. Today, listeners, our topic is hysteria. And I would like to make a disclaimer before we continue to say this episode deals with women's sexual health. And we will be having a frank discussion about female masturbation. Although male masturbation is openly discussed, widely acceptable, and even expected, female masturbation tends to be done in secret and not at all open for discussion. Mindy and I are hoping to have an honest conversation about female hysteria. We will do our best to present this in a manner that is least likely to isolate female or male listeners because we really want to leave you more informed at the end of this episode. Having said all that, this episode is not for young listeners. All right. So Christy, one of the topics that we're going to discuss along with female hysteria is the pelvic massage. Oh, yes. (laughs) The much anticipated (laughs) pelvic massage. (laughs) So listeners, if you're unaware what that is, we'll get to that in a moment. I do want to start by asking Christy if she has ever been given a pelvic massage. Okay, Mindy. Um, (laughs) The short answer to that is no, not not like at a doctor's office where some women in the Victorian era might have had a pelvic. Right. However... I did visit a massage parlor when I lived in California. (laughs) And I had this like really bad crick in my neck. And so I went there and it was this hole in the wall place, which I have often found that that's where you get the best massage. Like the cheap hole in the wall place is where you get the best massage. Just like burger joints. Yes. Or taco stands. Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Give me food out of a truck. It's the best. Um, So I went to this hole in the wall massage parlor and all over the place, there were these signs like in the waiting area, there were probably signs on each wall. And then along the hallway, where the the different massage rooms were. And then in the massage rooms, there were all these framed papers that said, this is a legitimate massage parlor. <laughs> if you ask for, I don't know if it explicitly said, if you ask for sexual favors or whatever, you know, we're going to call the police or, or whatever. Yeah. Like we, we will refuse to serve you and we will even call it the police. To that but yeah it, yeah, it was like, basically like, this is not a happy ending massage. Don't even <laughs> ask for it to be because we will not hesitate <laughs> to sh- take your money, shut you down and call the police. Oh, <laughs> so, so I was just like, Oh, I think I'm in the right place. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a good massage. And it really was. It was one of the best massages I've ever had. Yeah. So 
Have you ever had a pelvic massage? Not by a physician. (laughs) Well, I won't ask by whom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If any of you have watched the documentary Athlete A regarding um, the women's uh, gymnastics team and how the team doctor was giving pelvic massages as a form of therapy. What was it called again? Athlete A. Okay, yeah. I I think I saw that that's on Netflix. I did not You said you had watched it, to but a I listened to a podcast. Yeah, it's not called Athlete A. That's not what the name of the podcast was because I don't think I would have listened to a podcast called Athlete A. <laughs> like that wouldn't have appealed to me because yeah. I would have thought, "Oh, that's about sports. That is not my not in my wheelhouse." Yeah. But whatever it was, and I I don't remember the name of it, it was it was sort of like a serial podcast where, you know, one episode left you hanging and you were just dying to hear the next one because yep. it was it was um, multiple episodes of uh, the, I guess one of the main persons that filed the suit or I don't know maybe she joined after they already filed it I don't remember but she was a victim she was a victim yeah there were a lot and she didn't even know she was a victim and that's the sad part yeah yeah that's the sad part these we're talking about a group of young prepubescent women yeah getting pelvic massages every time they go to the gym you know to to their little gymnastics competitions one girl said it happened in front of her mother yes yeah, and the mom turned to cover. Yeah, yeah, and the mom didn't even know. Right, like she just thought, well, he's a doctor. Right. So whatever he's doing between her thighs is okay, which is just, just it's pissing me off right now. Scary thinking about it. So what is hysteria? First of all, we should acknowledge that this is a fake disease. Okay, so female hysteria i know it's shocking (laughs) it is shocking (laughs) i mean some people might disagree but it is actually a fake disease so this did not really exist but today we're going to talk about this fake disease and also the very real treatments (laughs) oh yeah that they provided for it oh yeah Hysteria was also referred to as the wandering womb, and we're going to talk about that. And it was also sometimes called hysterical suffocation. The definition for hysteria has changed over time, and that is largely based on changes in society and culture. But the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a hysteria as a psychoneurosis marked by emotional excitability and disturbances of the psychogenic sensory vasomotor and visceral functions. It also describes it as behavior exhibiting overwhelming or unmanageable fear or emotional excess. It can also mean feeling or showing extreme and unrestrained emotion. (laughs) We should also say here that Hysteria was one of the most frequently diagnosed diseases in history, reaching epidemic proportions in the U.S. in the 19th century. Additionally, at the same time in history, hysteria was being diagnosed in epidemic proportions in women, and spermatorrhea was being (laughs) diagnosed in (laughs) epidemic proportions in men. And if you haven't listened to the spermatorrhea episode, that is sort of like 
the male version of Hysteria. It's a very interesting episode. I highly recommend that you listen to that one as well, but you don't need to hear that one before you hear this one. And American Psychiatric Association didn't drop the term hysteria until the early 1950s, right? Right. Yeah. So, it hung around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mindy, this goes way, way back. Most believed this to be a disorder of the uterus, whereby the uterus would take a trip away from the pelvis <laughs> to other places in the body. Uh, you're going to talk about that in a little bit. But this idea may have originated as long ago as 2000 BC in Egypt after a midwife palpated a prolapsed uterus and declared it's a fallen womb. It made sense to them that if the uterus can move in a downward direction, it could go in any direction. Float up. <laughs> this is not a one-way street. <laughs> not at all affected by gravity. Right. <laughs> Eventually, doctors came to believe that this was less about the uterus and more about the nervous system, directly associated with reproductive organs. Mindy, what caused this fake disease? So much like the definition being all over the place, you have a bunch of causes. One of the most common ones that I came across was deprivation in quote unquote, particularly passionate women. So women who, you know, aren't getting it on the rig. So women who like sex and aren't getting it enough. Correct. Okay. So it was commonly diagnosed in virgins, nuns, widows, and rarely in married women. Okay. That may be a different statistic now. Yes. <laughs> I think it might be. And uh, part of the belief behind this was that the sexual fluids were not regularly released in women. The theory was men who regularly ejaculate mm -hmm. are sane. Mm -hmm. They don't have these symptoms of hysteria like women do. So the goal was to have female ejaculation mm -hmm. and it would solve all your problems. Okay. I mean, I'm not hating that idea. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know that I disagree with any of that little part that you just said. I think in that regard, men and women may be pretty equal. Agreed. And um, the roaming uteri. So the term hysteria was originated in ancient Greece. Hippocrates and Plato spoke of the womb, hystera. Uh, which they said tended to wander around the female body, causing an array of physical and mental conditions. And we're going to touch on the roaming uteri theory whenever we get to treatments, because <laughs> there are quite some special treatments come into that. Okay. And uh, you had come across a few interesting causes. Yes. So besides women not getting enough sex, okay. mine said not enough gratifying sex. <laughs> So not to split hairs here, but let's split hairs. Yeah. There is a difference. That's very between, true. you know, sex and gratifying sex. Very true. As we all know. Oh, yeah. Now, it's it, sometimes the 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 journey is the journey or whatever the hell that saying is. <laughs> the journey is the, the journey, It's not guys. the destination. It's the journey. Oh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> the journey is the journey, guys. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the 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 journey is the destination or the it's destination. It's not the size of the, of the boat, it's the motion yeah. of the ocean, baby. Yeah. It's like 
Sometimes you just want to have the gratifying kind. Yeah. Okay. But then wasn't also too much sex a, a cause? Or am I making that up? <laughs> I think you're making that up. Okay. Uh, oh, I know what you're thinking of. I'll get to that. Okay. okay. Demonic possession was another one. Women were thought to be spiritually inferior to men. Therefore, they were more susceptible to sin. Hence, they were more likely to become <laughs> possessed <laughs> by demons. <laughs> I mean, this is all just common sense if you live in the Victorian era. <laughs> oh, lordy. Okay, I'm not done. This could also be caused, like, as a result of women not adhering to their quote-unquote natural role which was to reproduce. Basically, during this time, people just thought women, their whole role in life was to... Pump them kids out. Yes. And so, you know, this this was a result of them trying to, like, be educated or <laughs> have a job or... <laughs> Anything you that know, you have that today, we would call feminism. Right. Women can do anything. Right. Women are equal to men. Right. You know, Christy and I watched, uh, I think it, the movie was actually called Hysteria. Yes. And uh, we watched it during our research for this. And something that I think is common in a lot of Victorian era films mm -hmm. or what have you, sex is common, but also like, okay, you have to be married, but people would get married after knowing each other for like a day or two. Oh yeah. Like for five minutes. I yeah. know it's so crazy. And arranged marriages. So it's like, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be worse than just having random sex with someone getting married to someone that you've known for two days because then you're talking like, you got to get a divorce. divorce and <laughs> There's all kinds of paperwork yeah. and you have to change your name. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's best just to go to the doctor and get your pelvic massage. <laughs> Which in the movie, let me tell you, sisters, these women were lined up. Yes, they were. The waiting room was full. Full of a bunch of patiently waiting women. Yes. Who were very pleasant and not hysterical, waiting for their pelvic massage. <laughs> right. I wonder if they had signs on the windows that said... <laughs> this is <laughs> this is that kind yeah. of massage parlor, <laughs> and anything less will not be tolerated. <laughs> we we want you to get your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So besides those causes, Mindy, irregular menstruation. Irregular menstruation could be both a cause and a symptom, it seems. So oh, I see. We'll, we'll get more into that later. Yeah. One more thing. You could have the diagnosis of hysteria if you had a loss of nerve power as a direct result of masturbation. So if you were a female in the Victorian era and you were masturbate, you were... You were practicing self-love <laughs> in the privacy of your own home, as every good woman should. <laughs> <laughs> then 
you could be diagnosed as having a loss of nerve power because you did it to yourself at home instead of going to the doctor and, you know, having it in your medical chart and getting your (laughs) pelvic massage treatment from your doctor. So those are some of the causes that came up in my research. Okay, so Mindy, should we jump to symptoms? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, go ahead and uh, why don't you start listing some of these? (laughs) Brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. This is a long list. So we're going to start with sadness. Okay. Moving on to spasms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you sad? Are your muscles twitching? (laughs) Not yet, but they they might get that way. faintness mm-hmm. which oddly enough i in a lot of my research you found out that fainting rooms were a thing yeah in vi- the victorian era yeah fainting couches yeah yeah they look like a chase lounge with <gasps> yes. you know one, yeah. with a yeah. arm on one side yes. or something yes yeah. nausea drowsiness headaches toothaches that one just a toothache <laughs> crying forgetfulness one of my all-time favorites (laughs) a fondness for writing (laughs) writing as in being an not like riding a horse like riding a (laughs) writing a book writing notes writing writing poetry writing a love letter to someone you've known two days oh and then writing cramps (laughs) That you get from that fondness of writing. From W-R-I-T-I-N-G. Yes. Yes. Okay. Writing. Writing. Because uh, it could apply to writing. Like it, R-I-D-I-N-G. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Having an indifference to social influences of domestic life. <laughs> That's me with cooking. <laughs> well, no, I'm not indifferent. I just don't like it. So Same. never mind. I'm not indifferent. I feel like I'd like it more if I was better at it. Yeah, me too. A desire to escape from home. <laughs> well, there goes that wandering uterus. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to get a job. Mm. Having a great distaste for your husband. <laughs> Doesn't that go along Dude, with I wanting hate to this man? Escape from I home? need to escape. I need to get out. I don't know a woman now. You know, funny story. Mm -hmm. I hope my little sister doesn't listen to this because I'm about to call her out. (laughs) When she and her now husband first started living together when Uh they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. So she would tell me, and this is what they were in college too. So like you have class, what, maybe two hours a day and then you're out. Right. Yeah. And they were together all the time. And she would say, I have to just go in and take a bath for like two hours just to get away from him. <laughs> and she said, I even had to start locking the door because he would come in there when she was taking a bath. Like just to keep her company? I guess. Or, or not doing no business. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I, you'd got to have that, that. That to me is someone sane. Wanting to get away and not spending 24 seven with your, with your spouse. I totally concur. I totally agree with your sister. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're adding- a long hot bath or a train ticket. <laughs> Either one. 
whatever. Whatever gets it done. <laughs> uh, that, that goes going back to wanting a job too. A lot of women I know nowadays could not be stay-at-home moms. Oh, yeah, me either. If you have kids, yeah, no, and, thank you. And let me just tell you, with all this COVID stuff, uh-uh. No way, no oh, way yeah. could I stay at home. Absolutely not. So moving on to back pain. Mm-hmm. Hot flashes. Mm-hmm. Heaviness in the limbs. Heaviness in the limbs. I'm unsure That's what that vague. means. Yeah. But you know what? I just had the COVID vaccine. Oh. <laughs> Fun <laughs> Me fact. Me too. Me too. And the I second would one. actually describe when people say, yeah, the second, the second dose. Yeah. When people describe body aches. Yeah. I would describe those body aches as heaviness in my limbs. Every muscle just felt heavy. Yeah. And yeah. Like you didn't want to lift it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So maybe I would relate heaviness in the limbs to like a body fatigue. Like a Moderna right? second dose vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those, those, those muscle aches that come along with a fever. Right. Use of coarse language, fever, irritability, <laughs> severe cramping, mm. and, oh, God, the worst symptom of all, excessive vaginal <laughs> lubrication. <laughs> all right. I think I've had enough fun, Christy. Why don't you take away the rest of our symptoms? Okay. I hope you guys are sitting down you know, maybe on a road trip or something. Having this a glass list of, of wine. Symptoms. Oh, oh, no, yeah. not driving. Not driving. No, no, no. no <laughs> yeah, no. no. Maybe you're just sitting, you know. Maybe you're one of those moms escaping her children in oh, a bathtub right yeah, now with a glass of wine. Exactly. We'll take that. Yeah, there you go. Okay, laziness, overdramatic behavior, insomnia, restlessness. <laughs> Here's one of my favorites. Aging. <laughs> really? aging come on now come on you know honestly now that i'm thinking about it if aging people were having dementia and alzheimer's and losing their memory oh, and forgetfulness and stuff you are so smart that's probably to put why that they together. correlated I, it okay excitedness suffocation swollen feet cancer <laughs> i can't believe these are these two are side by side Cancer and yawning. <laughs> I mean, this is absurd. This is just absurd. It's hard for me to finish this list, seriously. Okay. Itching. <laughs> Paralysis. Organ failure. Heart disease. Ticklishness. Loss of appetite. A tendency to cause trouble for others. Irregular menstruation. Blindness. Erotic fantasy. <laughs> I In- like that one. <laughs> Infertility, fatigue, abdominal discomfort, anxiety brought on by decreased libido and or sexual frigidity or anxiety due to increased libido and or hypersexuality and or nymphomania. Pick one or the I other know. peeps. These two examples alone demonstrate that they really had no clue. Exactly. Okay. Here's another one of my favorite ones. Kleptomania. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I don't know why every time I hear the word kleptomedia, it makes me think of that I Love Lucy episode. It makes me think yeah. of... <laughs> it was Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> and she has so redeemed herself, but that's just who I think of every time I hear the word kleptomania. I see Winona Ryder from like the Johnny dating Johnny Depp days, you know? Oh my God. How weird that I just saw a video on Instagram of Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp seeing each other for the first time after their breakup today. And you just talked about them. Wow. Weird. That is weird. Dun, dun, dun. Deviant behavior. And my absolute favorite of all the symptoms, a quote unquote desire for clitoral stimulation. <laughs> And uh, does that make you horny, baby? Well, that just that is horny. <laughs> that is the definition of horniness. <laughs> the desire for clitoral stimulation. Other symptoms, it could literally be any problem. I mean, I think we've oh, yeah. put a pretty exhaustive list out here, but um, yeah, it could be anything. So the sad part is, is that some women were really suffering from legitimate forms of mental or neurological disorders, right. and they were just going and getting pelvic massages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk about spasms, for instance. What if they were epileptic? Right. Today, manifestations of hysteria are recognized in other ailments such as schizophrenia, conversion disorders, anxiety attacks, especially when you're talking about all the mental, you know, yeah. symptoms. Yeah. But whenever you're talking about some of the more physical ones, like abdominal discomfort, fatigue, infertility, irregular menstruation, severe cramping, those are what we would relate to now as endometriosis. And I've seen a lot of studies that relate those physical side effects of hysteria to endometriosis. And that's what we would call endometriosis today. Mm. That's interesting. I have never heard, even in my research, I... Maybe didn't come across that. Yeah, no, I haven't. I have until you talked about it. I have never heard the correlation between this fake disease and endometriosis. But well, I think we've established hysteria is a catch all for anything and everything that a woman was going through. Yeah. But if we're equating the real symptoms that people were having to an actual what we would classify now as, as an actual illness. Yeah. Endometriosis ticks a lot of those boxes. Exactly. Because, you know, like with the pain of endometriosis and the irregular bleeding and I mean like all of the stuff that goes along with that, that will make you pretty irritable. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, it even correlates with some of the treatments that they were doing back then. Yeah. Endometriosis is, is a really horrible condition to have, I mean, I don't know a ton about it, but I do know that for one, it's extremely painful. And another thing is that like the women that I've known that have had endometriosis have very usually heavy, irregular bleeding when they menstruate. Yeah. And that actually leads me into some of the treatments that they used to do. Mm -hmm. Get this, which actually this is still used in modern medicine leeches 
Mm. <laughs> how do they how do they use leeches for this? Right. But this is the <laughs> mind blowing part. They would stick them inside of the woman. Mindy, Ma'am. you have to be they, a little bit more specific because inside a woman, I have done other episodes <laughs> where we talked about leeches and that is very vague. What you're saying right now, it could be inside her nose or her throat or her ear. Jesus. For all I know, what part of inside the woman would they put a leech? inserted vaginally with the idea that <laughs> it was in the leech was placed inside of their uterus. What? <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, not just inside the vagina, but all the way into the uterus. I could be wrong here. Not that these guys are wrong. <laughs> Hopefully somebody's wrong. Either the Victorian era doctors <laughs> or you. <laughs> uh, that is, that is disturbing. Agreed. I will say. I mean, I have talked about leeches on other episodes, Mindy, mm-hmm. and I have heard of a great many places <laughs> to put a leech. <laughs> we have debated about the life of a leech, you know, would you rather be a leech that, you know, had to suck the pus off somebody's tonsils or heyday, you know, an inflamed hemorrhoid, like which leech would you rather be? Oh, damn. But I have never contemplated (laughs) the idea that one might purposefully insert a leech into their vagina. Well, now you have. And then quite possibly intend for that to go into the uterus. That is just disgusting. I mean, the leech is alive, so that leech could go right wherever it damn well pleases. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said on other episodes, too, where... Uh, oh, when, I just got a really weird sensation. When, when you have a leech that you're going to, like, <laughs> send into an orifice, <laughs> and you know that it's not just a blind pouch... <laughs> That they would tie a string on it so that they would be able to get it back. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So if they were sending that bad He's boy my pet down leash. your throat, right? They would tie it to. They would tie a, oh a string God. around it so that they could pull it out because otherwise it could go mm. like down, you know, yeah. your esophagus yeah. into your stomach or whatever. Okay. So leech therapy. That's that, that's fascinating and something for our listeners to ponder. What else you got over there for treatments? Let's circle back. Yeah. To our causes, the roaming uteri theory. Yeah. So your uterus is just wandering around, going up to high five your stomach, have a few beers with your pancreas. (laughs) Going to meet her friend for coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Bye, 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 bye. So one of the treatments to get the uterus back to its home base, aromatherapy through the vagina. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) What did you just say? Aromatherapy via the vagina. Okay. So you're going to place good smells near the vagina. Okay. Get your lavender essential oils going. <laughs> a little eucalyptus, eucalyptus cactus. 
I do Some like Japanese cherry blossom. I do like blossom. like mint and eucalyptus kind of combo, yeah, okay. but I don't well, know if I would like that for, to fumigate my vagina. Well, you want to put the good smells near your vagina and the bad smells near your mouth or your nose. What's the purpose of that? Why would you put something bad to smelling? divert it away? It's not, you know, the uterus does not like bad smells. Oh, just oh, so, so you know, like, it tries to flee. Yeah. So if oh. it's like, if it's like, uh, you know, hanging up there, you know, poking, want to poke through your diaphragm, uh-huh. put the bad smells near your mouth and just go, oh, what is that? But, but also, Mindy, um, I, I did read in my, my research that women often carry smelling salts with them at all times because when they because had the an acute onset of hysteria, then they would sniff these smelling salts to try to get their uterus to go back down into their pelvis. Oh my goodness. So yeah, the, the keeping them from fainting, the idea of that was that they were actually getting the uterus to wander back down. <laughs> well, one way to get it to wander back home too is sneezing. <laughs> Jolly good. Throw some pepper in your face. I was going to say, how do you get a person, how do you compel a person to sneeze? That's the only way I can think of. Yeah. Maybe a feather duster up the nostril. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but my, we can agree here, Christy. Sneezing yeah. helps things move down south. Oh, yeah. Just ask my bladder. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can testify to that. What else you got for treatments? Some of the things I can list off here real quick. Bed rest. Uh Uh-huh. Bland food. (laughs) (laughs) What? How how does that treat hysteria? I don't know, but you think if it was if it was spicy, it may make you sneeze a little bit. I don't know. Seclusion. (laughs) <laughs> Which, if I'm not wrong, wanting seclusion is a symptom right. of hysteria. Right. Well, here we go again. You know, uh, is it a cause or a symptom? I don't know. Refraining from mentally taxing tasks like reading. <laughs> and also sensory deprivation. So deny your senses See, that also contradicts because right, if because, I'm supposed to be smelling the bad and putting the good shit by my vagina. Sensory deprivation or am I supposed to go get a pelvic massage? Because <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a type a, of sensory yes, stimulation, yes. I would say. <laughs> my goodness. Okay, I have a few. Let's hear it. Sexual intercourse. Uh, Hippocrates was a big proponent of this. He thought that male semen had healing properties, and he was a proponent of sexual intercourse. Marriage. Marriage. I didn't know that that was a medical treatment. We've already. (laughs) Did you know that marriage can be a medical treatment? Um, How about this one? Uh, Abstinence. Jeez, makeup. So have sex, don't have sex. I don't know. Have good sex. Don't have good sex. I don't know. They were don't all please yourself place. too much via masturbation. How about this one? Hysterectomy. <laughs> that seems extreme. Oh, it does. But if we're talking about it wandering off. Right. We'll fix that. that. <laughs> How about this one? Ovariotomy, which is now called oophorectomy. 
So that's where they remove your ovaries. Yeah. I mean, that's really extreme. First of all, if they were trying to get the uterus to come back down with something that smells like eucalyptus, um, I don't want those same people digging around in my pelvis to remove my ovaries. Which some of my research said digging around was exactly what they did (laughs) with their hands or surgical instruments. We're going to get to that. Okay. How about this medical cannibalism? Yeah. Colonial American physician believed that eating skin cured hysterical passions. Oh my God. Yeah. And induced nausea. I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, here's a good one. Here's where would they get? I think they would take it from like dried skin from the corpse, like from a corpse, and then they would oh like God. put it into a powder like form. Beef it was like dried up. skin. Yes, it was like dried skin. Oh my God. I know, so gross. Um, how about this? Vigorous horseback exercise, <laughs> movement of pelvis in a swing, movement of pelvis in a rocking chair, movement of pelvis. In a carriage on a bumpy road. No, <laughs> no it just says carriage. <laughs> My head immediately went to a baby carriage. Okay. How We're about talking horse drawn. Blistering ointments. This, the theory behind this was that it caused clusters of blisters to maintain oh constant drain of humors. This is when they believed in humoral therapy. That sounds miserable yeah and i feel like that's causing what we now call sexually transmitted diseases (laughs) here's one that will make you want to cross your legs Mm. clitoridectomy okay described by well-respected gynecological surgeon dr isaac baker brown in 1866 well respected preach it brother yes and i'm giving his full name here as being a harmless procedure, which could cure most, if not all, female nervous disorders. Also denied that the surgery at all affected her ability to feel the normal excitement consequent on marital intercourse. His fall from grace, Mindy, his fall from grace. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. No. No came in the form of backlash from the medical community by physicians outraged by his published writings on female masturbation because this was considered indecent. Not that he performed a clitoridectomy, but that he wrote about female masturbation. Yeah, that that's what did him in professionally. How dare he? <laughs> yeah, it was his undoing. <laughs> Do people still date, like in in other countries, do they still perform those? Yeah. 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 And, you know, when I was younger and I would watch Oprah, Mm -hmm. now I'm really dating myself. Did you ever watch Oprah? Yes, girl. Are you old enough? Okay. Yes, girl. Back in the days of Oprah Winfrey, I remember she had somebody like from Africa. I don't remember what country. On her show, and they were talking about this because that was a common practice in this person's culture. Yeah. And they were talking about sexual response. I, I was too young to really understand. Yeah. yeah, but but now that I'm older and I understand more, 
I'm like, oh, you know, she was still able to climax. Yeah. Because the clitoris, and for all of you, <laughs> less fortunate. all of you women who may not know this, because maybe you're, you know, young and, and uninformed or whatever, whatever the case may be, for all of you listening, men or women who don't know, the clitoris is not just this little button that's located, you know, on top of the urethra. It goes deep and wide, ladies. <laughs> it is bare. It is. It is like rooted quite literally into your in your pubis and yeah. your vulva. Yeah. It it is rooted deep inside. So so even if you remove the external part that you could visualize, you still have a chance. <laughs> you just got to figure out how to yes. make that happen. Yeah. So uh, Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you have all of your clitoris intact, <laughs> true, you can, you can, you can uh, make different kinds of music. <laughs> With with that thing. <laughs> so just, you know, go exploring. <laughs> go see if you can find your wandering uterus. <laughs> okay, so I want to get into something that they called hydrotherapy. Before you do, oh. I want to talk about one more thing, okay. and that is the conservation of energy theory. Oh, that's right. Okay. Conservation of energy theory. <laughs> Swear to God, this is was a real thing. Uh, the theory that the human body had a fixed amount of energy. So, like, I guess, like, everybody <laughs> is born with a fixed amount of, of energy, okay? And women needed to save their energy for reproduction. Energy could not be wasted on such things as muscles and brains, God forbid, According to Henry Maudsley, a Victorian-era psychiatrist, education was harmful to women's reproductive health because it diverted energy from the reproductive organs to the brain. <laughs> that is just absurd. Yeah, I know. I know. And um, But even things like reading <laughs> well, is too taxing. Right. <laughs> Reading for pleasure, not even reading to educate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Even thinking about reading. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't probably do that. Wow. Okay. Let's move on to the good stuff. All Once right. and for all. All right. What do you got? So I'm going to talk about hydrotherapy. Mm -hmm. Hyd what is hydrotherapy? Hydrotherapy is when a shockingly cold hose was used to spray patients down, particularly in the lower abdomen or <laughs> vaginal area. Okay, wait. Shockingly cold. cold. Yes. What, what's the premise behind hydrotherapy? What is supposed to be happening if they aim this <laughs> hose of cold water at your pubis? What is supposed to happen? You know, I hear it's for for patients. With, <laughs> I, hear. I hear it's for... The word on the street. The word on the street is it's for patients with the perceived mental illness as well as the physical aspects of hysteria. The shockingly cold hose aimed 
at either your lower abdomen or your vaginal area and just blasting you with it. (laughs) And that's one thing that I don't know. I don't know if it was given for an extended amount of time or a specific amount of time, or was it given until the woman reached, you know, Oh, the hysterical hysterical paroxysm. paroxysm. Yeah. We said that in unison. Look at us. (laughs) If only we could sing. What else is that called? An orgasm, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. So during, you know, and if you are ever doing your own research on hysteria or Mm -hmm. hydrotherapy, you're going to come across some imagery and Uh keep in mind these images most of them are are drawn or right because imagine these were, Victorian era pictures. Well, because that would be a pornography if it were photographs. <laughs> I love art from from these podcast episodes because they're all like that, hand drawn or fancy oil paintings. I'm like, why would a person want to paint? someone getting cataract surgery or hemorrhoid surgery. This is so awkward. It's the only way that they could relay the information for what it looked like. I guess so. That's a good point. So I want Christy to describe the picture (laughs) that we're currently looking at here. Okay. And this, by the way, the picture is of a woman receiving (laughs) hydrotherapy. Okay. Is that what she's receiving? (laughs) Okay. Let's give a little bit of context to the listeners so they can know how they might find this picture. Okay. Mindy, if someone wanted to find this picture that we're about to describe, how would they do a Google search for that? I would Google search hydrotherapy hysteria. Okay. For hysteria. Okay. Actually, you don't need the four. Hydrotherapy hysteria. Okay. And when you do that and you click images, <laughs> this is the first picture that comes up. Absolutely. Okay. So this is, th- th- to me, first of all, it's a naked woman and she's sitting and she's got her hair done. She's got her hair in a bun. Fancy. I know. She's, yeah, her hair almost looks like a, like a cinnamon twist or something so her hair is done her and hair kind of looks like what i would imagine like when you're in the pool and yeah you come and, and you're you flip your hair like george washington oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's i was gonna say when you're a rich lady and you have it you know actually it looks like she's gonna be a bridesmaid mm. it looks like one of those buns anyway she's got like an updo george washington as a bridesmaid yeah <laughs> you just dipped your hair in the pool <laughs> Okay, so can you put it where I can see? Okay, so she's naked. She's sitting on this chair. She's holding on to the seat part of the chair. (laughs) She's holding on. And she looks pretty relaxed. Uh, Her feet are extended out in front of the chair a little bit. And she is looking down at what looks like a huge eyedropper or like a medicine dropper. Uh, it looks like a great big oversized medicine dropper right at her pubis coming from across the room. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> it is. But there's a man's hand on the medicine dropper. So, oh, is this the hose? Is this the, this is the hose. 
this yes so the medicine dropper part is actually the stream of water correct okay if i okay. were to describe this picture yeah. okay yeah I, you go like your 13 year old brother is just power <laughs> blasting you with his new water gun like and every imagine- mom is going son don't you want a super soaker for your birthday <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, it looks like a fireman's hose and it has the the power that a fireman's hose would have, you know, on a fire truck. Yeah. And it's just aimed right at yeah. this woman. And you can't, there's no man in this picture, by the way. It's <laughs> right. just the hand and right. the hose aimed right at the woman's pelvis. And she is calm. She's yeah. taking it. She's not excited looking. Yeah. But she also, she looks like she's waiting for something to happen. Yeah. <laughs> not she does not look like something has happened honestly it sounds like a punishment you know especially knowing that the water was shockingly cold i would say she even looks bored yeah like you know if that were me i'd be like do you think this shockingly cold water is gonna fix me like 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 when someone insults you and you just look at them and you go, really, is that all you got? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is that, is that the best you can do? Right. That's actually the look on her face. Yes. Is that the best you can do? Yes. <laughs> and he says, well, give me about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a man needs. That's a, well, they say with hydrotherapy, it can be done in less than four minutes. So she does not look impressed she does thus not. far. She does not. Hydrotherapy was also called the pelvic douche. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yeah. And it originated in France in the mid 1800s. And it was it was offered at spas and bathhouses where they aimed a powerful jet of water at the genitalia, as you just previously described. But anyway, okay. You did not have to go to the doctor to get your yeah, pelvic douche. You can go to the spa. Like right. uh, We're talking like, if you were power washing your driveway, that's the kind of force that I'm imagining coming out of this yeah. douche. Yeah. Except the the circumference. <laughs> of the wider water yeah (laughs) stream stream is quite large on that anyway that's that's a pretty big circumference (laughs) look at that girth yeah (laughs) okay so pelvic massage pelvic massage was the standard of care for temporary relief of hysteria. I emphasize the word temporary. Pelvic massage was the bread and butter procedure performed by Western physicians from Hippocrates until the 1920s. When I say bread and butter procedure, what I mean is this was easy money mm-hmm. for the doctors. And it's what the women And wanted. it was and it was continual income 
This was not considered sexual by anyone. Husbands, the medical community, no one thought this was sexual. Which is just outrageous to me. (laughs) Right. Because there was no vaginal penetration. Therefore, nothing sexual could be occurring. Okay. I actually read that tampons were considered more controversial than the pelvic massage because tampons penetrate. Yeah. A speculum was also controversial. Show me a woman that gets sexually excited by a speculum or a tampon. (laughs) And I'll show you a woman that's hysterical. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's crazy. (laughs) People. Okay. Anyway. Physicians became annoyed by this procedure, this pelvic massage, because it was time consuming. (laughs) When done right, it reportedly took up to an hour, as we all know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The physicians developed painful wrists. This was not a permanent cure. As I mentioned earlier, patients just kept returning for treatments. First, physicians outsourced the procedure to midwives, okay? So they were like, look, this hurts my wrists. It's too time-consuming. <laughs> I would like to move on to other doctor things, so let's hire a midwife. They outsourced this to midwives. Then they learned to work smarter, not harder, and began to use electromechanical vibrators, which yes, took, ladies and gentlemen, we have hysteria to think <laughs> which, for the vibrator. Right. And with the vibrator, with these electromechanical vibrators, it took only about five minutes to perform this pelvic massage and get the hysterical paroxysm. Um, which again is an orgasm. Right. <laughs> more efficiency meant that they were able to see more patients in a day. It's all about more, that money, honey. More patients per day meant more money. So, Mindy, cue the music. I think you're going to talk to us about vibrators now. Yes. So, like you said, it was invented because the doctors were sick of doing the pelvic massage themselves. Right. So much so that half of them wanted to hurt the women. Oh, yes, I read that too. Yeah, yeah. That they wanted to hurt the women because they were so. They were like, we're going to put a stop it. to this. Yeah. <laughs> Just make it hurt and then they'll stop coming. It was considered a tedious task. So, on the list of home appliances uh-huh. that were invented, uh-huh. the sewing machine was number one. Uh huh. It was the first invented. Okay. The vibrator was number five. <laughs> Number five. Thank you, GE. (laughs) (laughs) So it beat the vacuum Mm -hmm. by nine years. (laughs) And it beat the iron to iron your clothes with by 10. Wow. That's how much they prioritized a vibrator. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about now because vibrators are sort of taboo oh for sure and you have to hide them away right you don't talk about them right that's pretty much all i had on the vibrator (laughs) okay well all right a little bit more on the vibrator it was invented in the 1880s by a british physician it was 
effective therapeutic massage that neither fatigued the therapist nor demanded skills that were difficult and time consuming to acquire. (laughs) So not so hard to train his apprentices in Mm -hmm. the electromechanical pelvic massage. You want to know what my favorite nickname for the electromechanical vibrator is? Mm. A tissue oscillator. Oh, (laughs) that's very discreet. Yeah. That is very discreet. I was thinking tissue like you blow your nose. Yeah. <laughs> like what? See, if you were going to get that delivered to your house. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, somebody sent me a tissue oscillator. Oh my God. It's going to rotate my Kleenex yeah. based off my <laughs> nose needs. Wow. So thoughtful. <laughs> it was less expensive than a <laughs> hydriatic or steam powered technologies. So it was... It was You know, not as big of an investment for the doctor to invest in, like hydrotherapy stuff. Yeah. It was more reliable. It was portable. By 1905, some were portable enough to bring on house calls. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. And I've done an episode about house calls. So that was not described in the doctor's bag. Maybe I should go back and edit that. (laughs) Uh, Within a few years, more than a dozen manufacturers were producing battery-powered and electrically powered. These things were advertised as home appliance through periodicals such as Needlecraft or Home Needlework Journal, Modern Women, Women's Home Companion. I would love to get my hands on some of these. I honestly would. Yeah. I would love that. And I would also like to look at some current day magazines like this well, and see if there's anything. That's the thing. Martha Stewart magazine ain't got no vibrators in it. No, you're but talking about like, I, oh, the modern woman. That's what it's going to be full of recipes and. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What else do they advertise? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't read women. I think we should go to Burns and Noble. There's one right down the street. I think we should go there <laughs> yes. someday just on a field trip and see because maybe there's something that's more elusive. Like maybe the way that it's advertised like as a muscle relaxer. <laughs> You know, <laughs> a tissue oscillator. Yeah, and yeah a muscle exactly. Relaxer. Okay, these things were marketed to women as health and relaxation aid. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is for sure <laughs> a relaxation I would still, aid. I would still classify it as that. Yeah, I would too. Um, it was marketed to men as gifts to women. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps, keeps on, on giving. giving. Sears, Roebuck, and Company had extensive had an extensive line of these for sale. Go Sears. I bet you you cannot find a vibrator in a Sears catalog now. Unless they call it a back massage. (laughs) Okay. So. Okay, Mindy. Today we're going to have a special section about things that made me go, hmm. Hmm. We're going to have that section coming up. But first, I want to talk about Fuhr brand. This was a Swedish army major who created or invented the uterine massage, a little bit different than the pelvic massage, okay? Sounds painful. His techniques are referenced in the book on pelvic massage in 1898 titled Massage Treatment and Diseases of Women for Practitioners. And by the way, 
you can access, there's free access to the PDF online. Again, it's called Massage Treatment and Diseases of Women for Practitioners. This was basically like how to teach other doctors how to perform pelvic massage. Yeah. Brandt's own book was titled Hygienic Gymnastics of the Female Sexual Organs, <laughs> which cannot be found online, at least not not in my, yeah. my research. Okay. This guy, Brandt, opened several remarkably successful clinics. He employed five medical students, 10 female physical therapists, and apprenticeships to doctors from across the world. He treated as many as 117 patients in a single day in his clinics. That is outrageous. I know. His How is that possible? Was it, was it- well, I think it's with all of his like five medical students, 10 oh, right. physical therapists. And- well, still, we're talking if it took 45 minutes. Well, I don't think this took 45. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. So his technique was bimanual, which meant <laughs> that <laughs> one hand was on the outer abdomen while the other hand or finger, depending on the situation, was in the vagina or in the rectum. His technique was different because, well, first of all, he was Swedish. So maybe the rules of no penetration, no vaginal penetration, you know, those rules didn't apply to the Swedes, I guess. They were a little bit more liberal. This was termed hygienic gymnastics. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's a vague term. That's even more vague than the tissue oscillator. Why is the word hygienic? I don't know. I I don't know. Gymnastics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So hygienic gymnastics could be substituted for the general hydrotherapeutic or electric treatment. So if you don't have the big hose and you don't have an electric vibrator, you could do the hygienic gymnastics trick. The old hygienic gymnastics. (laughs) That old stinker. It was administered every other day or every other week. The author described Brandt's technique as follows. Now, listen up, ladies, okay? And I want you to just sit back and take a moment to do this for yourself. Just enjoy this next segment because this reads like a romance novel, okay? (laughs) (laughs) The patient's dress is not removed, not even thrown back, but merely opened around the waist. Okay, this is the foreplay. (laughs) I'm just imagining how hot that is. I'm just amazed that they wrote this much detail. Yeah. This is like pre-procedural planning notes. Yes. Very detailed. Okay. The corset is loosened. The physician's right hand. What if they're left-handed? The physician's dominant hand. Okay. Is placed directly on the skin of the abdomen, keeping the abdomen covered at all times. So he's reaching up underneath her skirt and he's putting his hand 
on her, the skin of her abdomen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know, it's all covered up and, you know, mysterious. mysterious. Yeah. Okay. Using the non-dominant hand or what I like to call <laughs> the left hand. <laughs> hey, I'm a lefty over here. Only one finger is introduced, preferably the forefinger, except in ventrovaginal rectal palpation, where the forefinger is inserted into the rectum and the thumb into the vagina. And when you do that, you look like you're Stick them up. Aiming a gun yeah. pistol with your hand. Okay. The right hand. I'm not, I'm not saying this very sexy. Actually, this doesn't sound like a romance novel at all. <laughs> the right hand outside on the abdomen feels for the left handed finger inside the vagina. Not with uniform pressure but penetrating deeper and deeper by means of circular, gentle circular massage movements like this, Mindy. Okay. Oscillating. <laughs> All right. Then they describe where and how the examiner is positioned relative to the patient. It's a bunch of boring stuff. Basically, he sits straddling the corner of the table so that he doesn't strain his back. <laughs> But the author then digresses from Brandt's techniques and he adds, quote, no harm can be done to non-virgins by introducing two fingers, nor possibly any inconvenience caused. I myself with two fingers reach about half inch higher, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to say, in virgins, however, we must try to get along with one finger. <laughs> I love the verbiage. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so crazy. It's so, so crazy. But I was just like, I cannot believe. Like, <laughs> it, we have to get along. Right. With one. You're just going to have to make do with that one finger. I mean, if you were to put that in a, in some sort of medical textbook now, it would yeah. be like. Right. You'd get sued for saying something. Like right. That. Yeah. Or imagine like you're you know, doing your like visit notes or, you know, yeah. I, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it is, it's interesting. I wonder, hmm, I wonder what like the gynecologist textbooks read like <laughs> today. That would be it's true. I've never seen that one. would be interesting to do a little before and after comparison. Yeah. As to how it used to be. And if they just, if they, say put your hand on the skin but don't throw up the dress and all that kind of stuff <laughs> okay are we ready for the special segment about things that made us go hmm? i'm excited let's get into it okay do you have any no okay all right things that made me go hmm during the research on this first of all i think we touched on this a little bit previously touched on this <laughs> there's a pun <laughs> if ever there was one uh doctors knew very little about women in general oh my god medical well, shocked by that i know statement. i know this is this is stunning and this is you're probably going hmm i already knew that <laughs> um medical students were taught very little about female anatomy 
It was inappropriate for physicians to physically examine women as thoroughly as they did male patients. Most doctors left female midwives who were largely uneducated because they were female in charge of women's health. So like, you know, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you personally have a preference gynecologist wise, if you have a male or female gynecologist? When I was younger, ironically, I didn't. Yeah. When I was younger, I didn't care. Yeah. But the older I've gotten, the more I prefer a female. I even prefer female family doctor. Like I, I just prefer female doctors in general. And I think it's because this is just pure anecdote for me. Right. I feel like my experience has been that my female physicians whether it's my internist or gynecologist, whatever it is, I feel like they spend more time with me. They're more patient and they listen better. Yeah. Than my, you know, you give me the same kind of appointment with a male or with a female and the females I think are more attentive. I guess I would say that they're more attentive. I I could agree with that. I'm the opposite from you though, where I cared more about having a woman when I was younger and now uh-huh. I don't care so much. But oh, okay. For me, it's more of a convenience thing. Yeah. I'm going to see whoever's available. Yeah. First. Yeah. And is convenient for me. And I should care more about patient care and quality things like that. Yeah. But I also am just like, who's going to be the best person to get this job done and get it done yeah. Accurately. <clears throat> I think it's funny. I think maybe if I had to psychoanalyze myself, I think maybe mine might have to do with the fact that when I was younger, I was younger. I was typically younger than the doctor. But now mm-hmm. that I'm almost 50, it would feel weird to me to go to a 35 year old male gynecologist. I don't know uh, why. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't have any issue seeing a 35-year-old female I'll say that, gynecologist. Well, that's true. I I don't have a preference on sex, but if you're talking age, I don't want somebody my age right. or younger. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Most doctors left female midwives who were largely uneducated because they were female in charge of women's health. But when male midwives, who were the forerunners of modern obstetricians, became more prevalent, a more thorough physical examination of women became acceptable, which to me just seems backwards, right? Right. Because you're letting someone of a lower professional level, if you will, do a more invasive physical exam on you, which just seems for those times, it seems so backwards. Yeah. Something else that made me go, hmm. Doctors encouraged women to seek masturbation (laughs) or pelvic massage by a physician, not a do-it-yourself-at-home remedy. But during this time, they simultaneously condemned male masturbation. And again, I'm talking about the spermatorrhea episode. Okay, here's another thing. 
Husbands often sent their wives to the doctor for pelvic massage treatment. So first women put their sexual pleasure in the hands of their husbands. (laughs) Again, Mm -hmm. pun not intended, (laughs) but made nonetheless. Uh, Then husbands outsourced that responsibility to the physicians and then physicians outsourced it to the midwives. And then finally women took back the power when they started getting these handy dandy vibrators. Well, I think that's when we started relating it to sex. Because when it it started with the husband. Oh, yes. Yes. So, yeah, the beginning of the end of pelvic massage administered by physicians was when the use of portable electronic vibrators in the early days were, you know, made their appearance in the early days of stag films. (laughs) And then people were like, oh, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait that's what's happening when you go to the doctor oh no ma'am right no, exactly no ma'am which is outrageous that nobody no had put the more two doctor's two visits for you yeah which kind of like mean, uh thank you men right thank you yeah for like wanting to be the only one to pleasure me that way they're like well if we can't masturbate neither can you <laughs> <laughs> turn about as fair play or whatever beginning the here here's something that's gonna blow your mind Beginning in the mid-1970s, several states, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, and Kansas, passed anti-obscenity laws that prohibited the sale of devices for the massage of the human genitalia and the ownership of more than five. (laughs) So all of these laws, except Alabama's, have since been successfully challenged. So that means in the state of Alabama, if you're a woman today, living today, as my understanding of reading this article, if you're a woman living in Alabama today, you may not be, you you will be outside the confines of the law if you own more than five personal massagers. (laughs) Or ladies in Alabama, and you cannot purchase them there either. So you have to go across state Mm. lines and have less Mm. than five. (laughs) You got to get rid of Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. But you can keep Monday through Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe keep Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and get rid of Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 The medical community had longstanding belief that only vaginal penetration was sexually stimulating for women. Okay, I'm going to repeat that sentence (laughs) because I want people to really process this. Yeah. The medical community had a longstanding belief. I I dare say the medical community and men, husbands, boyfriends, (laughs) whatever, of yesterday and today. Yeah. Had a longstanding belief, Mindy, that only... (laughs) Vaginal penetration was sexually stimulating for women. I, I'm speechless. I know, me too. I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to decide if any vaginal penetration is sexually stimulating <laughs> for women because <laughs> I would argue that hardly any of it is, but that's just me. Um <laughs> I agree. Okay. Back to the talk about tampons. I just want to say that tampons date all the way back to ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. Hippocrates described them as lint wrapped around a small piece of wood. 
So not leeches. Well, I don't know. I don't. Maybe the idea I, came from. Uh, the maybe leeches. you could implement it now. <laughs> and one last thing to leave you guys with: Antique Vibrator Museum in San Francisco, California. There is an antique vibrator museum. I would love to visit. I know. And I just moved from California. And if I had known about this museum when I lived there, I totally would have driven to San Francisco. Yeah. Maybe someday we can still go. Absolutely. When COVID ends. Oh, one more thing I want to mention. Uh, There is a TED Talk by Sophia Wallace. It's called Clitoracy. And it's a lesson in female desire and female sexual pleasure. Um, Too bad it wasn't available in the Victorian era because it's a great starting point for men or women interested in understanding female desire, pleasure, and response. Or you can always just read a book. (laughs) Go figure. There are plenty of good ones out there. (laughs) Anyway, Mindy, this has been very fun, very enlightening, very informative. And uh, thank you so much for doing this episode. And uh, I look forward to the next one that we get to do together next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll hope that you join us next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye.